Coffee at Collier's, let's all sit down and have a chat. We'll talk and talk and talk some more until we all get fat. Be happy or sad or glad or mad, you can talk to us. Open your heart and mind, anything you want we can discuss. Hello and welcome to Coffee at Collier's. Today our guest is Darren Cave, joint Moosecap Ulster player. Welcome Darren. Thanks for uh, getting the joint in there. Well, I thought we'd uh, we'll not eliminate Andrew Trimble. That's an early shout out for Andrew Trimble, isn't it? <laughs> There's a couple of people breathing down my neck, uh, our neck, sorry. Rob Herring, um, I think Scott oh, Cr- Craig Gilroy. Don't know what they're on, but they're getting close. But um, yeah, oh, not here. Not that I'm. Not that I'm. I'm interested. You know. Clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thanks for coming along today. Uh, I know you've not long stepped off. Of from South Africa as you were doing a bit of work for RTE was it? Yeah it was a great oil uh, great oil trip I was on RTE for um, initially the Ulster semi-final uh, which was last uh, Saturday but That's the less said about that the better that was hurtful yeah it was wasn't it oh, but this cool. is the interesting bit so I arrived on the Friday morning watched the Leinster game in the hotel uh, against the Bulls and that result went um, unexpectedly to the Bulls. Yeah. And then I got a phone call from RTE immediately. And it said, uh, if Ulster lose tomorrow, the final is obviously not in Dublin. Of course. It's going to be in South Africa. Can you stay for another week? So <laughs> Ulster's lost gave you a week's holiday. So my <laughs> daughters are one and very nearly three. So I had a very interesting conversation with my wife. <laughs> Helen, who's very supportive, and then I was laughing that the kick at the end of the Stormers game, um, like not only was Ulster season on the line, but my marriage was on the line, <laughs> and it went yeah. over, and I'm still married. Just, but yes, I end up staying for on for a week oh. uh, by myself, and uh, it was great to be on RTE for the semi final and the final. But I'm back. Uh, back I'll now. have you uh, on the. Uh on shift for the kids now for the next week constantly you know to get what, a break. Do you know what was funny? I got home yesterday at about lunchtime and I re- I just genuinely really, really wasn't feeling well. And I went to bed and then like last night, like Helm's putting the kids to bed and, and doing dinner and all that and the same fights as or fights about nothing. Yeah. Screaming. And I was lying there in bed and I did feel particularly um particularly bad about it. But Helen at the minute is in the merchant getting a massage. Ah. Other uh, other hotels are available. Oh, very good. So, very good. Yeah, she's earned it though. She's earned it. <laughs> I'd say so. Yeah. I'd say so. Um, just just stick on the line of rugby and the URC. Uh, yeah, the South African sides coming in. I mean, God, they've, they've really shown some dominance actually early doors, uh, and they're in Europe now next year. Uh, what you? take on this I mean uh, the Irish side's going to have to catch up here a bit uh, and others well Welsh especially I think as well it was funny you know because when I was playing the South African teams joined the league and it was the two teams it was the Cheetahs and the Kings and they just weren't up to it particularly the Kings and then this year it was like you know we're getting the four big teams and yeah. really exciting and the start of the year they started really really poorly mm-hmm. and I was sort of rolling my eyes here we go again but Recently, like I mean, some of the stats about like the Stormers, I think won eleven in a row at the end of the year. The Bulls won, I think, twelve of their last fifteen. So um, it's really, really exciting. But they're also getting um, and will, I presume, this will continue in the next few years. But but bigger names back 
away from France, away from the Premiership, yeah. away from Ireland or wherever, um, because they can, I would presume, start paying them now that they're, well, a better salary. I don't know, that's a guess from my perspective. I could be totally wrong on that. Well, the issue there, the big issue they have in South Africa at the minute is the season. So that at the minute they don't really have a break. If you think about, like right now, so Wales are going to, so they've just finished the league. Then Wales are arriving next week for three uh, test series. Cool. Then it's the rugby championship against Australia, um, New Zealand and Argentina. And then the URC starts in September. And then there's the November internationals. So South Africa, I think, are, are, I think they might have a game in Ireland, I forget. Yeah, they and then now they're in Europe. So that'll probably be December. Sorry, the South African sides are in Europe, so that'll be December, January, cool. and then there's URC the whole way through to the end of the season, and blah blah blah, and then there's World Cup. Then so World Cup, yeah. that's gonna be their issue. I think. I think the week to week product, like the supporters and the fans and the atmosphere, was unbelievable. I do think there's more. I don't think financially it'll affect them that much. I think their model over there is a bit different. I think they pick a lot more money up through like sponsorship. They all have like they're all called the DHL Stormers and the Vodacom um, Bulls, and the, I think they get a lot more money uh, as opposed to over here, where a lot of the money I think is about match day revenue, and um, so I'm not sure. But like it is class. We were chatting before we came on about um, like we were chatting about the the Sharks being in town a few weeks ago and seeing mm-hmm. Lisi, and I think back to when I was like a young kid going to what it was Ravenhill now the Kingspan and I think to see people like that I yeah. think it's class and the Sharks are a great example with Khaleesi uh, like and then the Kunyuam Pimpi like these are guys that the World Cup were like these are guys that yeah. may have a movie made about them eventually I actually bumped into them as you know my, my, my wife works in a hotel and um, Le they Mans were staying Le Mans hotel they, <laughs> they were staying there and I could not I, I called up Sierra I bumped into the squad. I couldn't get into the size of those guys. Mm-hmm. They were massive in comparison to some of the teams I've seen there. Absolutely massive. Yeah, they're. Uh, it's funny people go to Miss Rugby, and I'm like, you haven't. If you're asking that question, you haven't seen the size of, uh, and South African people in general, like, like they're big people. They're yeah. this, like they're huge people, and that's part of the reason they're so same suited to so suited to rugby, and even the style of rugby they play in South Africa. It's not overly like, um, not to be offensive to South Africans but it's not like New Zealand where I think they're very very skillful and it's a very technical game even in Ireland now uh, like they're big humans kind of yeah. like the Polynesians and that's part of the reason that like there's so many um, Fijians and Tongans and Samoans playing like they're, they're huge people yeah. Yeah. and it really helps when you're playing a game like rugby like, no, there's absolutely. loads of ways to be good at it but the easiest way is just to be massive <laughs> <laughs> route one yeah um, but uh, no well since well, life after rugby for you, um, I mean, it's kind of been a bit non-stop, you know, with not just, you mentioned you obviously your family life, you know, a couple of kids, um, but you've gone into various sort of businesses as well. You've, 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 you've guilt trip, um, you've, well, you've had probably during your rugby career, and that's how you and I obviously met. It wasn't, and I obviously, what I loved when dealing with you and any sort of property transaction, wasn't that it was a business for you? You had a real passion for it? Like, it was a real, was that sort of hobby you'd never want to stop? Or, obviously, don't get me wrong, I mean, you, you were doing turns and bits and pieces and, you know, by the landlord, um, and we have to touch on property, this is a property podcast, of course, but you do have a real passion for it. 
uh, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, and it's a timely podcast because we have been we've been it's been busy time yeah. in the uh, in the cave house. I just um, with the way things are uh, with the kids and like we were having a laugh before we come on about the price of daycare and stuff and having two I kids. I don't think we're having a laugh about the price of daycare. Yeah, I think we're hanging our hands yeah. about the price of daycare. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, listen, I was very fortunate when uh, well, it's, it's funny. The apartment I bought in two thousand seven. Um, I just sale agreed it last week for seventy five thousand pounds less than what I paid for it. I know. And it's funny thinking back to that uh, two thousand seven. I think the interest rate was five point seven nine, fixed for um, I think it was fixed for five years. Yeah. And I remember like if I had it and said to people, yeah, but it's property, so the price like well, the price isn't going to go down. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and. It's funny because for me it's it's water off a duck's back because I actually look at it the complete opposite way and that I was very fortunate when I was playing that I was able to clear the mortgage. Yeah. Um and it wasn't an extortionate amount of money, so it wasn't one of those people that might be bought somewhere for, you know, yeah, a million that yeah. at one stage is worth four hundred grand. Yeah. You know I mean it wasn't like an extortionate amount of money that was actually just gonna ruin your life. Yeah. Um so, but you definitely got through the highs and lows of the property market. You know, I can remember two thousand and seven turn and uh, or 08 especially, and the, the the drop and the pain that a, a, a lot of people went through from it. Um, it's not starting to recover back now. Um, but you've you've felt both ends of the spectrum. You've 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 seen the the hurt, and now you're starting to go come through the rise as well. So yeah, and I to put it so we just got a notion with the way things were in the family that um. We were getting just get back into the buy to let game and just um I know interest rates are going up um and they probably are, like continue to but uh I try not to view that as a catastrophe because if you look like all time levels like m- borrow money still quite cheap you know yeah um and I just got a notion one day do you know what where we don't have a mortgage in that place let's um let's just flip it let's just get rid of it and then we have some working capital to get a couple of properties um. And even with the way things are with daycare, you know, we'll probably play them interest only initially. Mm. But yeah. it was more, if we went repay, we didn't have the, it doesn't really help us from a cash flow point of view. Yeah. You yeah. know, whereas we wanted to make the decision. So if cash flow point of view, um, we're okay, then we can keep clipping things off the mortgage. But as you know, when you have two kids in daycare, it's actually a good time to be, um, yeah, to have a few extra quid. So. Uh-huh. We've been busy with that. Uh, my wife, Helen, I mentioned earlier, she's been awesome. It's been real good for her because um, given, like, it's a lot of work. Yeah. You know, even uh, as, like... Well, that's what we'll touch on. I mean, I think people have this view of a, a buy-to-let landlord as a very sort of easy, easy job, effectively, when it, it really isn't. You know, you've, you've, you know, you've got, yes, the buying process, you have to get the whole thing set up furnishing ongoing maintenance there's there's it, it's it's not easy and you know tax everything else it's it's not as lucrative is it fair to say if people think people go oh you must be worth fortunes but you know, it's it's tough us loads to, to get it right yeah and like the most sort of working people you don't have the time to look after it um yourself and do all the maintenance and stuff yourself i would say that if you clu- include um like the apartment that i just sold i would say my uh like Thirty percent costs roughly, roughly. So yeah. for every thousand pound I lift, 
Uh, I've lifted on that apartment since I didn't live in it. I lived in it for the first like five or ten years, but for every thousand pounds, I lifted probably three hundred roughly across that spell of like ten years. It's been rented. Would go to costs, be it uh, the estate agent that rents it, the rates. It's an apartment block, so there are apartment uh, management charges for communal grass areas and uh, electricity, and then you know. Uh, the rates uh, and then there's the odd time like something goes wrong and you know something needs fixed and I'd say that on average that's about where you are you might have a the stage that might have charge a, and we were laughing before we came on air that I've had the same tenants for like five or six years and it's massively under rented because I hate yeah. getting new tenants and maybe it's empty for two months and then you lose two months rent and then the estate agent gets a finder's fee which yeah. I don't begrudge yeah, yeah, because yeah. I couldn't find it but it just you have to pay for it yeah, you know? just also need to pay for childcare, so that's where we. Charge. Yeah, listen, and I don't, uh, and I say, I say it like you know, I, I begrudge this day isn't making money. I genuinely don't, but it's just, you know, you can take your say six hundred and fifty, or you can, you know, go and fight for the seven hundred or seven hundred and twenty five, and then accure all those costs and having it empty for a month. You know, changing tenants, you're going to probably miss out on at least a month's rent. Like it's a. There's an easier life, as you say, you know, than that. Easier life to, to keep around, to keep the same people in there, keep happy. <laughs> and if it's slightly discounted rent, well, so be it. You know, you yeah. haven't got that chopping and changing and fees and everything else, so it, 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 it works out quite well. And it, we were chatting again before about, there was, um, I don't know if it's still as prominent, because it wasn't something that was overly interesting, but all those short-term uh, deals going around in Belfast because of the um, the film market or whatever it is. Yeah, no, it's it's... It's still a strong market, you know. With there's there's definitely a, a, a lot of success in, in the Belfast film industry or where we it's been going to put on with companies coming in from all over the place. But there's no there's no accommodation. Um, yeah. City centre prices on uh, rentals are 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 scary. I mean, I'm I'm an agent and I have a hard time sometimes getting my head around the price they achieve. And uh, yeah, I mean there's 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 just there's no stock. In Belfast, that's that's the main problem at the moment. Yeah. Well, I had one of my not rental, but I had one of my mates sold his house recently, and they think he put it on it. I think he put it on three. This is in sort of Upper Newton Road. I think he put it on about three hundred, and sale agreed at like, I think three forty, like a week later, and then his house wasn't ready for him to move into, so it delayed for a few months, and whoever was buying his house was happy to wait and happy to wait, mm-hmm. and then when he sale agreed his house. The one who's buying his house changed their mind, so they relisted it at like three forty again, and in four days it sold at three sixty five. Goodness so me! So it went up again. It's mad. Uh, it, it stock on rentals or sales is uh, is has been decimated. Um, I think that's one problem agents current problem they're currently going through is that there, there isn't enough stock to to cover the demand out there. You but know? still, it does. But it does for me. It does feed into this thing that were like in a bubble not just in property but in you know post like a post-covid bottle bubble yeah. like Rishi Sunak's given out so much money yeah. and I remember even chatting to you over the last couple of years about like I know there was a couple of incentives to get people buying houses with regards to like stamp duty, stamp duty stuff yeah. but like I didn't feel like it was revolutionary stuff it wasn't like stamp duty's gone for everybody yeah do you know who it, yeah. um so it does still surprise me that well, we we had this conversation <clears throat> well I don't know if it was on a different pod or if I was in the street you're in so many podcasts <laughs> I don't even know I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to be you <laughs> <laughs> um, just that uh, I, 
we, the pandemic first started, uh, um, like every, a lot of businesses went through the furlough and didn't think we would need to staff. And we had our head in our hands saying, like, this is, this reminds me of 08 and oh no, what's going to happen? And uh, I mean, to our surprise, more than else, it was, was the reaction to, to the change in lifestyle people had then. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, if they were in apartments, they want to get out in the suburban atmosphere and have a garden. And, uh, and really, for for years, the last couple of years, that's uh, we're still going through our transition. We're still trying to house those people. Um, and it's just been a completely boiling property market, you know, which is kind of, if we're all being honest, Sometimes doesn't make a lot of sense. Doesn't make sense <laughs> in in reality, you know. Um, when when you hear unemployment at the start of it all, and, you know, you know, anyone, any, I would find any economist would be going, we're in for the, a really rough ride right now. Now I think there's going to be a bit of pain to come here. Um, uh, I mean, can't hand out loads of money and and uh, think, well, that's going to fix the world, which clearly it's it's not, but. Uh, at, at the same time, we, we, we just want stock in, in, in NI in general. And it's funny, because there's kind of two ways of looking at it. I spend a lot of time in Dublin with uh, work with my, my main sort of mortgage pair and currency and commentating and stuff. And you could make a really valid sort of case and argument that Belfast just in generally is like grossly underpriced. When you look at some properties in around the nice kind of equivalent cities in England. Yeah. And when you look at Dublin, like the price of just stuff is just like, and I would, part of me would think, well, that's actually fair enough. And then part of me, again, where I live, not kind of too far from like Stormont Campbell area, there's a couple of, as you know, a couple of properties being um, uh, worked on in, in, in the, next to me, which mm-hmm. um, there's a ropey agent involved. I forget what they're called. <laughs> it begins with C. Uh, anyway, and, you know, there is part of me as well that thinks, you know, these houses, there's a lot of houses kicking around at that, like, above three quarters of a million, I feel. And I'm just like, I feel like a year, say, three years ago, like, yeah. for a house to be over three quarters of a million, it, like, had to be a blockbuster. Whereas yeah. now I do feel like there's a lot of houses, not a lot. Yeah. Do you know, and obviously, you know, that's, um, we're not shopping in that price bracket, but, um, Two, two, two completely different cities, like but but Belfast. You, you, what's three quarters of a million get you in Dublin? That's you know that, and that's my point. I mean, nothing. You know, two bed, one bed, two bed apartment, and you know, uh, and don't get me wrong, in a very good area, etc. But uh, prices have gone uh, crazy down there. And again. to be to um, be clear on that, I don't. I'm not comparing Belfast and Dublin because they oh, are, yes, com- as no, you say. No, but no. like uh, the, I mean, the the it's probably like if you get the equivalent. I think it's probably like Dublin's could be over double, maybe treble. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you got the like a you know two bed city centre apartment in Belfast, yeah, the equivalent in Dublin, like it's not like you're going oh you know that's ten percent more. Literally, it's probably over double. Yeah. So yeah. I, I do, um, I do take that on board, and it's not a direct comparison as I said because Dublin's just pretty. Um, I mean Dublin's on the, the global stage financially now of with course. um with Brexit and London and blah 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 but yeah the other part of me thinks like there's a lot of houses getting sold at the minute for a lot of money and I just can't help thinking and it also feels like Belfast has never been as close to Dublin now as well we're yeah. in, you know we're only up the road that's how it feels where that but to me maybe that's a huge stretch before you know maybe it's 
a kid, but now it's I mean it's just down the road, you know. But. You know, funny I drove from uh, Dublin, like Dublin Airport yesterday, and I was like, this is you know genuinely like an hour and a half, and I didn't go one miles per hour over the speed limit the whole way because obviously <laughs> I don't. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> um, were you in any queues in Dublin Airport? But there, actually, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't too bad. I'd, I had quite a, a unstressful travel. It was well, firstly there weren't two screaming toddlers because we'd been to. Like yourself, yeah, had been to Portugal at the end yes. of May. Uh, with a at that stage, it was a um, eleven month old and a two year old, and honestly, like I played international rugby, but the stress of being in an easy jet queue up the wazoo <laughs> trying to fold double buggies, honestly, I've never sweated more in my life. Uh, we had a total shocker on the way home. We <laughs> thought we would be clever and would do the one of the later flights with the two kids. Ours was what Molly's one and. Ted's three. Um, I thought this would be a great idea because they sleep in the flight on the way home. Um, but the chaos in the airports, delays all day. We were in Faro for six hours and didn't get the kids down in their bed till half three in the morning, three oh, or oh, half three oh. or something like that in the morning. It was disaster, total disaster. And you, I mean, holidays are different. It was you know, with two young kids, it's just organised chaos in the heat, you know. But we were actually laughing, so on the way over. Um, on the way to South Africa in particular, like honestly, uh, I was like, uh, Helen was texting and said, oh, how was the flight? And I was like, I didn't know what to say because I was like, it was just, it was unbelievable, <laughs> literally. Like, <laughs> <Not> guilty. <laughs> the flight was at 11 at night and obviously I'd been up since like probably six in the morning or whatever time that got jumped on by a toddler uh, that morning. And I honestly, I couldn't like keep my eyes open. And I think I didn't, you know, when the food arrives, like I, I missed the food, I was too tired. So I slept for like about eight and a half hours and I woke up and um, there was two and a half hours left and uh, I watched Goodfellas, which is two and a half hours long. So hell, I was like, how's the plane? And I was like, oh, it's like, I was like, you know what? It was unbelievable. Like it was ridiculous. I slept for eight and a half hours, interrupted, and then watched Goodfellas and people brought me stuff to my seat. Like it was, <laughs> but no, uh, none of the shenanigans, a lot of the other people getting over, there was a lot of shenanigans going on. People flew... Uh, from Dublin to London and then missed the connection to actually going off topic a little bit but this made me laugh really there was a couple of Bernard Jackman and Hugh Cal are the commentary team for RT and they were flying out uh, for the final not the semi-final the semi-final was a moment there, so on the Wednesday night and this actually cheered me up in the end uh, it made me laugh so they flew it was the Thursday night they flew from Dublin to London and their flight was an hour late so they scrambled around Heathrow for like an hour missed the connection to Cape Town but uh, in the process lost the bags so then they went to an airport hotel and then somebody decided that they weren't so there's only one flight from Heathrow to Cape Town every day BA mm. and they decided for whatever reason that they weren't going to stay and get the next flight they were just going to go home and commentate from Dublin uh, so they lost their, <laughs> they flew to Heathrow stayed in the airport hotel lost their bags and then flew back to Dublin the next day with no bags absolute nightmare <laughs> So that made, that, that made me laugh, but there was no, um, there was no, and after, after the, after the trip to Portugal, it feels like the trip to Portugal, we got lucky because we didn't get involved in that. No, I think we, we've, other than my experience at my home, I think we've totally flipped it and it's what you see in the news now. It's yeah. just getting worse and worse. So and the worse. day, the day we flew, I think the next day or that night, there was a cancelled EasyJet to Faro, to Faro. Uh, that was, uh, uh, the. That was the week before we left. There was the same thing that happened. Yeah, the week, but we 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 were we were there the week before you. I think we were uh, there we, in like the twenty something. That's right. That's right. So it was probably. I think it was the 
because somebody texted me saying that somebody really random texted me saying, oh, did you make it to Portugal? And I was like, what a weird, as much as it is good to hear from you. Yeah, no, I, I sort of I, said, I, yes, why? And then I said, oh, saw on the news there was a flight cancelled. I had a wife in full-blown panic mode whenever that flight was cancelled, thinking our was going to be done. Um, but thankfully, no, it wasn't. We, we actually, this is, and this is after we had a passport shenanigans as well. We got everything, everything ready to go. And you know when you're booking the hotel and you're like, I'm not paying extra to have it cancelled. Uh, like, you know when you get your pay, like, oh, yeah, yeah, booking.com, yeah, 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 yeah. you can pay more but have it flexible. And you're like, I'm yeah. not paying more. Like, this is <laughs> in solid. We're going, book the thing. Like, and then we're probably two weeks out and then it clicks. Sophia doesn't have a passport. <laughs> oh, no. And we're like, oh, no. So we... Um, <laughs> Or pan Irish, British, anything like yeah, politics yeah, around yeah, the yeah. window. Yeah. <laughs> so we uh, we applied for the f- fast track Irish one and got all the checks done. Yeah. But it, I still don't think it's here. Actually, it might arrive when I was in Cape Town, but it's taken like. Uh, and then. So how did you go? Just with the. Well, we went. We went. Uh, we went. We went to UP in the end. We went British in the end. We got a British oh, one. Right, yeah, yeah. But then we couldn't do the super fast British one or whatever it is because it was our first one. So it wasn't a renewal, right, it was okay. a brand new one. Yeah, yeah. So we had to go on the website and book an appointment at the passport office. Uh, but it wasn't like letting you log on. Yeah. It wasn't showing up any appointments. So we were like panicking. And then we kept logging on, kept logging on, tried to phone them. Like th- they were like, uh, God love them, because they were absolutely useless on the phone. Yeah. The British fast. Like, um, and then eventually we got like, I just kept logging on, kept logging on, kept logging on. And it got, we got a slot for the next day. You go down to the passport office and you go when you and then it arrives within seven working days. Well, uh, well, let's 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 kick back the back the property here. You've obviously um, we're t- touching very well. I suppose exciting times ahead is how I would pronounce this. You've you've kicked off with a couple now in a buy the left portfolio. The view I presume is to to keep that going. Would that be fair to say? And well, and keep your love for property going. And um, is the future also? continuing the commentary the podcast what's um what's the what's the vision it's funny because you um when i left rugby i wanted to like have lots of horses in the race i didn't want to say like this is exactly what i want to do yeah and it's probably taken you know the last i found on the currency stuff and the commentary stuff for me going into commentary it was always going to be tougher because there's loads of different things to it but if you have a huge um, profile, that like massively helps. So for me, like having like a decent profile, but not like, so for example, this year, like Rob Carney has come out and like, you know, I played 11 right. times for Ireland, which was great, but Rob's one of the most decorated Irish rugby players of all time. And no matter sure. how good you are at it, I mean, these guys will keep coming out. It won't be long until Johnny Saxon comes out of rugby. Now he might um, coach, but you know what I mean? So it's hard to kind of, uh, I never thought this was going to be my job with yeah. commentary. I was always like, this is just... But I have found I've done a lot. Um, so I'd like to keep doing that, keep doing a bit of podcasting. And then the property, yeah, it's just... It's because... It's more from my wife's point of view because just with the kids and having a break from that. She used to work in KYC and Citibank. Yeah. And that's probably you know she's now spending a lot of time getting these pro- and as we find we get these properties set up and we've now got three um and we'll probably get a couple more and just see how we go sure. and there's something i like about bricks and mortar do you know people some like i've experienced in the hospitality industry and people are like oh i'd love to do that and you know i'm thinking about doing investments and yeah yeah, yeah, so yeah i'm like yeah. flip 
Yeah. But you really have kept your options open. You have covered a lot of bases since leaving rugby. I don't know what the setup is when you're in Ulster, Leinster, Munster, wherever team you're playing for, and you're a young guy, but there must be some, I would have thought, life coaching for life after rugby because, but you really have sort of, when you exited, in my view anyway, and I think a lot of people sort of grabbed the bull of the horns and went, right, well, I'm not just sitting on my sofa here, you know, just going to retire. I'm, I'm out doing X, Y, and Z and started different ventures and, um, yeah, it's, um, you've been 100 miles an hour. It's been, it's, when you're playing, they, like Rugby Players Ireland is the player association and they're really good at encouraging you to do this, that, and the, but, the biggest advice I would give to a player now is just you can't really prepare yourself for it because people say, oh, what do you want to do? And yeah. you're like, well, I get paid more money than I probably should to play rugby in front of thousands of people. Yeah. Like, why would I want to get into property? Like, yeah. Why would I want to sell currency? Why, like, why would I want to be in a station? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really, really hard. And what sort of the thing that give me... Um, I just thought back to my friends who were all the old same age as me, best mates from school, I'm a 35, and I thought about their careers and what they did at uni, and it kind of just really clicked with me that this is a journey that you can kind of prepare yourself for, but it starts when it starts, and there's no substitute for that. And I thought back to maybe, like, there was one of my mates in particular who got a, wanted to be a PE teacher, mm-hmm. and they went and they did the degree, but then I thought that when you're in rugby, you have this idea that everyone else who went into the world wanted to do a certain thing, Yes, 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 yes. Whereas, actually, you don't. You no. go to uni and you do something and then you go and do something completely unrelated and then you do it for a bit and then you upskill and it's a journey. Yeah. And, you know, I would compare it to starting your rugby career. Like, you leave school and you want to play for Ireland, but you don't start there. Yeah. Like, so yeah. for me, I went and played for Belfast Harlequins because that was, uh, at that. if you compare that to leaving uni, that was like a postgraduate job. Understand. It was the best thing on the table. And I went and did it and I made sure I got better, and I made sure I tried to enjoy it as much as I could, and then, you know, I started playing for Ulster A, mm-hmm. and that was the next job, and I got better again, and then it's kind of a journey, and that's how you get from playing in the Schools Cup to playing for the Lions. Now, I didn't get to play for the Lions, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's yeah, kind yeah, of a journey, yeah. and the, when you just jump in it, that's kind of the only real way to learn. Yeah. Even, like, what I've learned in the past three years, like, I have a... Um, two degrees, one of my masters, and I've learned more in the last three years, like ten times. Yeah. What I've learned in the last three or four years at rugby that I did in both of those degrees combined, just through like, just getting out there and with guilt trips. If see if I was to list the amount of mistakes I've made, honestly, would be here all day. But yeah. every time I've kind of realised and gone right, well, I probably won't do that again. You got to make mistakes to learn from. I suppose at the end of the day, and that's quite an insightful sort of view on rugby. Quite like that, and I would say that transition from player to payroll somewhere else or getting the job is um, is difficult unless you just go out and you have a good crack at it through two feet in and uh, you'll make those mistakes and you learn or whatever. Sorry, is that fair to say, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I would is say, that, like I would say, some like so. you can't fully prepare yourself for it because you can go, yes, you can go and do work experience and I did. I went into the bank a couple of times and I'm not really sure it helped me at all. Um, yeah. One thing and I did do, I was on the board of a charity Disability Sport NI, I recently actually resigned because my, my time was up. I'd been on the board for about, I think it was about seven years, but that was quite helpful. Very good. Yeah. Just when I was playing, and I would say, that, and it wasn't like a 
like a patron role or ambassador role like I was on the board and you're learning about like corporate risk register and flat strategies and all that kind of stuff Probably and you're meeting a lot of people in business high up and directors whatever or CEOs or whatever you want to put you know yeah um, and that I do think was helpful but outside of that I just don't really think I just think you got to go and get a job in something that you don't hate yeah. and just exact same as, as a postgraduate but the key is you've got to use your experience which is playing rugby which isn't as helpful as um, you, sometimes you would think mm-hmm. to skip as many rungs as possible at the bottom, that's that's exactly what I would say to someone leaving rugby now you're the exact same as a postgraduate you've got to use your experience and your network to skip as many rungs as possible because yeah. at the end of the day you're mid 30s but in terms yeah. of certain things you're not that skilled Yeah, yeah but yeah. in terms of other things you're immensely skilled like in my job in foreign exchange when it gets really really technical and currency there's guys in my business that are 30 times better than me but those guys can't get in the same rooms as me because they yeah, don't have the same okay, network yeah, yeah, and, they, yeah. and, they aren't the able, and they aren't able to have a conversation like I am because I spent like the last few years arguing with coaches and like do you know what I mean yeah it makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense so that's what I would just like go and just go and do you know what see if you hate it do it for a year and put it on the CV and you know give it your everything and that person might give you a reference and that's a it's just a ladder it's not yeah, I mean some players unfortunately wouldn't have a length lengthier careers like others would yourself or Johnny Saxon, forty-five, will probably retire at that stage. Still going well. <laughs> Here we get his bus pass when he takes his shit off. Funny, there's times, there's times I look at guys like I've been retired three years, like, and there's guys still. Anytime there's guys still playing that are my age or older. Yeah. So I played like age grade with him. He's older than me, and like Sean Cronin and uh, who's the other one, Devin Toneman, they're retired. But yeah. Kane Healy and Keith Earls were my age as well. So I look at them and I think, oh, maybe I should still be doing it. And then I see <laughs> yeah. the size of her and I go, nah, you're all right. Yeah. <laughs> you see, that's the African team we're talking about yeah. earlier in Thought Numa. I like to keep the shoulders intact. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, anyway, we're coming to the end of the pod. Now, we do ask every guest uh, one question. Um, and uh, we appreciate your honest answers, okay? Okay. So, if you could build any house anywhere in the world where would it be and who would you live with caveat in this have a celebrity obviously that would always be your wife and kids but someone just for a bit of crack who good fun maybe a bit of company you um when you said to me do you want any heads up on like the line of questioning or mm-hmm. the and i said no you're all right yeah. this is probably what i could have <laughs> yeah. Um, so anywhere in the world hypothetically too. I had I think it was Marbella and Will Ferrell just for the for the, for the, for the Will giggles Ferrell's. so I'm a big Michael McIntyre fan for the giggles okay he's funny funny man okay and not that I want to um, uh, advertise other podcasts but there's a good have you heard that podcast with Josh Whittacombe and Rob Beckett Parenting Hell you I've heard of it yeah, yeah I've heard of it they're funny boys anyway, and you Michael, can advertise any podcast because <laughs> there's not many people going to listen to this one <laughs> um, Michael Mack they, it's a brilliant podcast for any of the kids I would recommend it because uh, they basically just complain about being fathers the whole time although I did hear one of their guests said uh, any advice I would give to somebody if you're going to be a parent be a dad <laughs> I thought that was quite uh, quite good but Michael McIntyre is on an episode of it he's a funny funny man anywhere in the world um I would probably I would go somewhere in America. Okay. Uh, if you if you if we're hypothetically taking out of the fact distance from family and all that kind of nonsense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly where. I think I would go for like. 
you know Million Dollar Listing NYC. Yeah, we're big fans. Yes, the show yes, here at Colliers, yes. aren't Frederick we? Kick. Yeah, he's the man. <laughs> and you see, like I think you know having somewhere like one of those like unbelievable penthouse apartments oh, in um in Manhattan, but then also having like the, is it the Ham? It's not the Hamptons, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, having like yeah. a big lodge up there. Yeah, so it's kind of like. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to need you to fund two properties. It's kind of like a major version of living in cultural, having a house up the North Coast multiplied by 100. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's, it's like living in cultural and having a house in Port Stewart, yeah. except with three zeros at the end of all yeah, of them. Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly. what I would go for. Uh, although I do think it'd be weird living in Manhattan with Michael McIntyre, but... Uh, I think it was some crack. <laughs> yeah, so that... Um, yeah, that... Okay. I'll go with that. Perfect. And Perfect. my wife will listen to this, so actually... Well, of course, I did caveat that. Helen would have be, been number one yes, and the kids. I guess. Yes. But that was just for a bit of fun. The she, after having 10 days away from them, she would they, she would at least make the kids go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, all these can say is thank you for, for calling in today. Really appreciate it. And uh, lovely, some nice insights, etc. So thank thanks, you. Thanks for having me. I hope it wasn't too long. And yep. I hope it wasn't. Uh, I hope I give a real. I'm sure other if your other guests can give half as much property insight as me. I, I'd love to catch up. I just haven't seen you much during the pandemic. That, like it's been bad. It's the kids. Know, it's kids. Well, it's 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 kids and closures of everywhere, etc. But that's life. Sure, we love it. Absolutely. All right. Thank you.